They say spring has sprung, but there are snow flurries outside of our window here in our Morgantown studio as we record this on Saturday, March 26, 2022. You're listening to the Golden Blue Nation podcast brought to you by Pritt and Spano, West Virginia's lawyers, your WVLawFirm.com. Ryan Decker here, Sam Coniglio joining me here in our Morgantown studios as we record a baseball edition of the Golden Blue Nation podcast. And Sam, you were at the ballpark there Thursday and Friday as WVU swept Youngstown State. Kind of a different feeling, I think, coming out of that Youngstown State series maybe than going into that series. Yeah, without a doubt. Um, WVU kind of had a little bit of a slide heading into it, and they got their first sweep of the, of the season on a Thursday, Friday, three-game series. Um, you know, as you mentioned, like it's, it's snowing outside right now. If it weren't, we'd probably be at the ballpark Likely so. right now. Yeah. So um, they got a nice three-game series done on a Thursday and a Friday. And uh, like I said, first sweep. Yeah, the, the, the snow and the weather outside negated me from seeing in person any of this series. I was off the last couple of days and so was able to watch from home, of course, due to the great ESPN Plus broadcast that we have now, but negated me from seeing those games in person. But of course, the biggest takeaway, I think, from that Youngstown State series, Sam, is the fact that West Virginia just ran rampant all over the Penguins of Youngstown State. Yeah, um, well, the first two games, they didn't steal quite as much. Youngstown State had a very strong catcher, and it was really tough, but they were still able to get bases. Um, they might not have recorded steals, but wild pitches, Taking errors. Taking extra bases. I mean, yep. they, 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 you know, that's what West Virginia does. Austin Davis is a menace on the base paths. He just kind of dances around and gets in the pitcher's um, gets in the pitcher's brain, yeah, um, and and they just steal bases that way. Not necessarily steal on the stat sheet, take them otherwise. Right. The third game, eleven steals, which oh. is the highest of the season so far for them. Um, we tried to figure out if that was a school record of any kind, um, but we couldn't find that. That they don't have that recorded anywhere. But eleven steals. I mean, that that's that's. You really can't beat that. It's an amazing feat, 11 steals. So if you haven't been following WVU baseball as closely as maybe you have some of the other sports up to this point, WVU after sweeping Youngstown State, 13-8 and record on the year. Obviously, that's 21 games played up to this point of the season. Four players, speaking of steals, four players on the Mountaineers have at least nine steals on the season. That's Victor Scott II with 20, Austin Davis with 11, Tevin Tucker 10, J.J. Weatherholt, the freshman, nine. We're going to talk about, of course, J.J. Weatherholt coming up in a little bit. But speaking of, of Victor Scott, let, let's talk about him for a second. His 20 stolen bases when all these weekend series finish up here on Sunday, his 20 stolen bases will be, no doubt, top 10 nationally, maybe as high as 7th or 6th in the country, uh, You know, all over NCAA baseball. What he and Austin Davis have been able to do on the base pass, you talked about Austin here a little bit ago, but what they've been able to do on the base pass, amazing to watch it in person and then see the stats that go back with that, uh, amazing as well. Yeah, Victor's probably the best all-around athlete I've seen play at WVU. Um, Which is amazing. It, it really is, especially, you know, WVU isn't known for hitting the ball far. They're, they, they've had some great pitchers in the past, but they're not known for having a strong pitching staff year in, year out. Mm -hmm. They're known for having speed and, and, and kind of getting offense that way. And great center fielders. And great center fielders. Yes. He, he's the latest in, in, in the whole long line of center fielders. And you could argue they have two center fielders right now. That's true. With Davis. But, um, no, Vic is probably the best athlete I've ever seen. Ever seen. The best athlete I've seen play WVU baseball. And now he's swinging the bat. 
he's swinging the bat and and he's putting guys on notice in the number two and number three spots in the lineup. Yeah, after play on Friday, Victor Scott is uh, fourth on the team in batting average with a 310 average, and he's one of the leaders in just about every offensive statistical category that you can think of at this point. And of course, Steele's being one of them. 20 of 23 he is in stolen base attempts this year. And it's not just he that's been efficient at stolen bases. You look at J.J. Weatherholt, 9 of 12. You look at Austin Davis, 11 of 13. Tevin Tucker, 10 of 11, and he hasn't been able to get on base as much as Tevin would like to, and he's still been able to be that impressive in the stolen base category. I mean, th this team smells blood. When they smell blood, they pounce. Like I said, 11 on, on, on Friday in the second game. Four of those, or I mean eight of those, came from Weatherholt and Scott by themselves. Those They were just one shy away from program records, each of them. Mm -hmm. um, they got on first base, and they just kind of jogged over to third. It, it was just it was kind of amazing to watch. Um, and that's when, when we get it. We're going to talk about this a little bit later. But when you get into conference play in the Big 12, it's like Press Virginia on the basketball side. Yeah. You're going to need points. You're going to need runs, however you, you can get them. And if you can just get into scoring position without hitting the ball, then that's what you need. The, the last two series that West Virginia has played, I think, has really shown that. On both sides of the, uh, on both sides of it, I should say, against Campbell, West Virginia was able to get on base, but they couldn't manufacture those runs in part because Campbell, even though it slowed the game down to a snail's pace, the Camels were doing a pretty good job of controlling West Virginia on the base pass. They were doing a pretty good job of making sure Austin Davis and company had to stay as close to first base and then second base as, as they possibly could. Youngstown State on the other side of that didn't do that very well, especially in the third game of that series when West Virginia stole 11 bases. Yeah, let me, let me throw a stat by it. I love it. They, they've won 13 games. West Virginia has won 13 games so far. Six of them, they've scored more runs than they've recorded hits. How many times? Wow. That's, that's almost half of the games. And against Youngstown State, they had 28 runs. They only had 21 hits. I mean that that's that's crazy. Yeah, uh, you know they're, that's that's madness. You wouldn't see that in the pros. You wouldn't see that elsewhere in the Big Twelve where right. they actually have big bats and they're playing the analytical hit the ball as far as you can type of baseball. But you know the only northern school in the league, they're going to have to find offense to, uh, any way that they can. And, and, the, and a lot of things factor into that, I think. I, obviously, this team is extremely athletic. The, one of the last times we spoke with West Virginia. The, Everyone just couldn't stop talking about how athletic this team is. Uh, Randy Maisie and company, they, they know how athletic these players are, so why not take advantage of that? The other part is you have to get these guys in scoring position because you're not getting as many hits the deeper into the season that we've gone. The fewer hits you get, you've got to be able to put guys in scoring position exactly. that, so that way in theory, especially with this athleticism, a single gets you two bases, gets you a run. Maybe a double gets you three bases, gets you that run. The other thing is, here's another stat for you, runners in scoring position. Kind of going along with that theory, it hasn't really worked out, unfortunately, for West Virginia. Prior to the Youngstown State Series, WVU over a six-game span was hitting just 213 with runners in scoring position. Against Youngstown State, a little bit better, not much better, a little bit, 261 with runners in scoring position. A lot of chances. That's 23 opportunities in just three games, just not coming through as much as you'd like. I wonder, though, if, if when you kind of look at that, I, I wonder if you could look at how many runs, like how many how, how many runs they've gotten those guys in. Because there are right. so many times where, you know, we've seen... It is a higher percentage than that. It, without a doubt. We've seen a lot of squeeze plays. There were, there were two squeeze plays over the weekend. 
against Youngstown State, mm -hmm. and w only one of them was recorded as a hit. There was another one, a sack, a sack bunt that went for two RBIs. Yes. They've done that two or three times this season, you know. So and um, and also too, Victor Scott stealing home kind of takes away one of those opportunities. Well. Exactly <laughs> right. Yeah, Victor Scott stole home. Got a little lucky there. Got a little lucky. Hey, there. got beat at home, need. but a run's a run. A, a run, run is a run. Is a run. So um, you know. They're not going to have the best batting average in the, in the league. They're not going to have the best batting average in the country. But that's not the stat they're looking at. J.J. Weatherholt, after the game, he said, you know, we're just trying to get quality at bats. We're trying to move batters. We're trying to, we're trying to um, take advantage of the base paths. And so far they're doing it. So far they're doing it. Their, their batting average has kind of tipped off a little bit. Not the right time to do that right. with the Big 12 coming in just a week. Yeah. But – they're getting runs on the board. There's no doubt about that. And you mentioned the Big 12. We'll get into more of a preview of the Big 12 season ahead coming up in just a couple of seconds here. But it's not a very easy welcome to the Big 12 or start to the Big 12 slate, I should say, when you've got TCU, one of the best programs in this conference, do up. But we've kind of talked about, especially J.J. Weatherholt here a little bit, but one of the things that you and I wanted to talk about coming into this podcast were the freshmen or new players on this team who have really been providing you offense, providing you whether it's steals, hits, home runs in one of these guys' cases this year for WVU. And there's obviously two main candidates there offensively, J.J. Weatherholt, Grant Hussey. Grant Hussey had a great series against Youngstown State. Without a doubt. Game two, two home runs, basically did the exact same spot. The second one was a no-doubter. He struck a pose right when he yeah. followed through. Um, and he leads the team in homers and RBIs. Um, now, he's, he's kind of he, – Obviously, he's been one of their best offensive players at the plate, but he is a, kind of up and down, you know. But still, he's leading the team in RBIs. Not not exactly the guy, not exactly the production they were expecting out of him so early. But I mean, you can't really complain at all. Um, and JJ has been like like we've kind of stated, uh, all around guy on offense, yeah. owning the base paths. Um, um, but the thing that really impresses me about both of those guys is they don't quit. Um, and you kind of really see that in a doubleheader. J.J., the first game of the doubleheader yesterday, or uh, Friday, I should say, um, pretty much all of his plate appearances ended in a ground ball to the second baseman. He was just feeding that second baseman. But then the next, the next game, he was arguably the best player on the team. Mm -hmm. um, so, you, you know, that's, that's what you need, especially in a game that's so mental. Young players that just are relentless, relentless on the, on the field. J.J. Weatherholt after play on Friday against Youngstown State, a 325 batting average on the year. That's second on this Mountaineer lineup. He's also you know, one of the leaders in runs batted in, and, and I believe he, he is the leader on this team in hits and also the leader in runs scored. You look at uh, Grant Hussey, obviously a West Virginia native, so there's going to be a lot of spotlight on him. He, he's a guy that could have thrown his name in the draft last summer if he wanted to, played in the MLB Draft League. Uh, of course, you know, if you've listened to this podcast before, you know some of that background, some of the his story. But Hussey had a great opening series uh, in the four games they played at the beach to begin the season. Cooled off a little bit after that, but since then he's got at least one hit in eight of his last 11 games played. And if you, if you look at the Youngstown State series specifically, Maybe hits-wise, didn't have the best production at the plate. He was just uh, two for eight at the plate. However, 
runs and RBIs. He scored three runs, had five runs batted in just in that series alone. So, again, kind of going back to the uh, runners in scoring position conversation we had a few seconds ago of hits-wise, you're not getting those hits, but runs, and, and you're getting those runs more often than not when you need it yeah, by this team. That's, that's, that's what you need. You yeah. just need runs on the board. I mean, if you've read Moneyball, um, uh, I believe Bill James is the guy's name, the, the, the prophet that kind of inspired Billy Bean. Yeah. Um, he, batting average is the most overrated uh, stat in sports. Yeah. You can disagree with that all you want, but, you know, runs is actually the most important. The team that scores the most runs is going to win the game, <laughs> win the most games. Yeah. And if you just hit the guys in, if you get on base, get in the scoring position, that's how you're going to win the game. Maybe not a newcomer. He was on the team last year, but McGuire Holbrook, a guy that didn't get to play a lot last season because of an injury that pretty much sidelined him for the second half of the season, he's been fantastic this season so far for yeah. WVU. I mean, you, we again, we just spoke that average is overrated, which it is. 3.33 average, but a 5.17 slugging percentage, and he's getting on base uh, more than four out of ten times. And he's perfect three for three on stolen bases. How about that? For a catcher, too. Yeah, he's a perfect a three for three on, on stolen base attempts. But McGuire Holbrook, he's been really pacing WVU at the plate so far this year. Yeah, he's a big guy. Um, so you're not going to see him steal, steal, steal second all that much. But, um, yeah, he, I mean, he was batting 500 for most of the season. So he, he's cooled off a little bit, but still pacing, pacing, uh, pacing the team, kind of starting to um, catch up in terms of those ABs. He didn't play much in the first you know, week or so of the season. Um, but I, I'm actually really curious to see how he reacts. He's going to get a lot of time now. Um, uh, Dane Leonard, the starting catcher, has been missing time after the Campbell series. Mm -hmm. um, Randy Mazie didn't really have an update on his status, but McGuire Holbrook and Vince Apollity were getting yeah. a lot of ABs and a lot of time behind the plate at catcher. So it's very interesting to see what McGuire Holbrook will be able to do behind the plate and, uh, and at the plate, I guess. I agree for sure. You're listening to the Golden Blue Nation podcast here. We are speaking of uh, the WVU baseball team getting you ready for Big 12 play, which will begin, depending on when you're listening to this, in less than one week from now. Ryan Decker and Sam Coniglio here with you. So, Sam, we've spoken a lot about the offensive production for West Virginia. Let's talk pitching a little bit before we get into Big 12 play. Obviously leading the way for WVU this year, Ben Abernathy, as far as starting pitchers go. Ben Abernathy, he, he's just been consistent this whole season. Looking at him this year, he's made six starts. He's averaging six innings pitched, only allowing four and a half hits per start, under two runs, one walk, and six and a half Ks per start, and then each of the last two starts he's made, Youngstown State and Campbell, seventh uh, inning completed in each of those games. Ben Abernathy's been giving you exactly what Randy Macy's wanted out of this pitching staff. Now it's going to be contagious to everybody else on the staff. Yeah, and, and he's honestly been a bit of a godsend to yeah. the staff because Maisie has needed to rely on his bullpen so much in, in this season so far that he can get seven innings out of Ben Abernathy. That saves the arms for Sunday. Um, and, and we're still kind of figuring out the, the, the rotation. Mm -hmm. um, Friday, the Friday starters moved around. The Sunday starters moved around. But the Abernathy. The starter has not been confirmed or, or solidified either. Exactly. It, it, but Abernathy is the one guy, you know, win or lose, yeah. you're going to get six or seven innings out of him. 
and, and they're going to be quality, quality innings. So um, that he, he's been a godsend for WVU so far. And Ben Hampton, I mean, it, it's not overpowering stuff. You're going to see guys in the Big 12. You'll see, you'll see guys on, on WVU's roster with maybe a harder fastball, more movement on, the, on a curveball or a changeup. But as consistent as he is, that's what's been really good, a, a really great sign if you're Randy Mazie and, and this coaching staff of he's pretty much going to throw it in, in, in the zone, but he's not going to allow you to hit it for the most part. And when, when opposing hitters have hit it, it's normally come with nobody on base. We saw the solo shot against, or by, by the Youngstown State hitter, just solo shot. It really didn't matter in the outcome of the game. That's what Ben's been really good about doing is when he has given up a couple of runs, it's been in a perfect spot almost. Yeah, and, and a lot of that probably has to do with the fact that this is, he's the only returning consistent starter. He was yeah. the Sunday starter last year. Um, he moved up a day to Saturday this year, but you, you know that experience is invaluable. That's something you can't buy in college sports um, is experience. So um, you know, hats off to him. And, and like I said, he's been he's been uh, an invaluable piece to the pitching staff this season. Speaking of experience, Jacob Waters was experienced and was as reliable as could be in the bullpen last year and into this year, but now is getting that experience in a starter's role because of some of the inexperience and because of some of the uh, lack of production to a degree that, that Randy Mazie's seen out of some of the other players he wanted to be starting pitchers on this team. Jacob Waters has been thrusted into the starting role, and he's given you two, I, I think, pretty good auditions as a starter, and it looks like he's going to take the reins as that Sunday or at least that number three starter. Yeah, I mean, he was supposed to be kind of the, the setup guy or the closer, yeah. preseason All-American, but now he's, he's, like you said, thrust into a starter's role. And uh, against Youngstown State, he, he had a really, really solid outing, no hits, five walks, and he kind of started to lose his command a little bit in that fifth inning, mm -hmm. but he got out of it. And, and, I mean, he was throwing a no-hitter <clears throat> through five innings. Um, now the question will be, can he start to add that stamina? Right. Um, I mean, I, I, he threw over 60 pitches, which might be a career high for him, um, given the, the fact that he was a bullpen arm up right. until this point. Um, but, you know, if, if he can just kind of build that consistency, just add, add a handful of pitches every single start, He'll, he'll, he'll blossom in. And on the flip side, it opens up a lot of opportunities for guys in the bullpen. It I does. Mean, he was the premier bullpen arm heading into this season. Now there are a lot of guys that are – a lot of hungry young guys that are looking for uh, time on the mound. Yeah, Jacob Waters tied with Trey Braithwaite, another you know, really standout uh, relief pitcher on this WVU staff, tied with him for the most appearances by a WVU pitcher on the mound this year with nine. You've got Michael Kilker, who's made a couple starts here recently, Noah Short, Bo Lowry behind them with seven appearances each. But, yeah, and it's, it's going to be interesting to see when you talk about Jacob and if he's able to build up that stamina. Did the first roughly month of this season, was that almost his extended spring training not by design, but is that what it turned into of getting him a couple innings, getting his arm really loose, and then middle of March rolled around, he was thrusted into a starter's role. Did, is that going to help build his stamina up for this year and keep his arm alive? You, if you're Randy Mazie, you definitely hope so. Yeah. Um, you, mean, if you're Randy Mazie, you hope that's the argument you can make at the end of the year. Exactly. Yeah. You know, and, and a lot of those outings you know, weren't exactly what he wanted. Um, his ERA was a little higher than you'd like. I mean, obviously, by – 
whatever, six or seven games into the season, he hadn't even pitched a full nine innings. So sure. you really can't count ERA. But um, some some of those relief outings weren't exactly what he wanted to, but he was still the arm that you want on the mound at that given time. Um, so, you know, hopefully from his perspective that turns into a, to a solid uh, spot in the rotation. Well, no matter where he's pitching uh, in terms of, the, of in the game, West Virginia is going to need him to be lights out as he's been at times when we get to Big 12 play, when WVU gets to Big 12 play. So let's now kind of get into the thick of it here as West Virginia is going to be getting into it starting on April 1st when that series begins at uh, on Friday at TCU. That's the first Big 12 series of the year, the first Big 12 home series the following weekend here at the Mon against Baylor. Sam, the Big 12, just like it is in men's and women's basketball, just like it is in football and pretty much any other sport you, think you can think of, it is an incredibly difficult league to navigate your way through, and there are some premier talents and premier teams at the top of this conference. Yeah, every, I mean, every year the Big 12 is near the top, and, and, and Big 12 talent is taken at the top of the MLB draft, but this year kind of seems like an exception. Um, and, and TCU... Um, it will by far be the toughest opponent WVU has faced so far this year. Yes. But they're not even the best team in the conference by <laughs> a long shot. And, and that's true. You know, at TCU for a while, for probably a good five-year stretch, as Texas didn't had some by its standards had some lean years. TCU was probably the most consistent program in this Big 12 conference. And it seems like Texas has certainly returned to form. Oklahoma State's as good as it's almost ever been. Texas Tech is just continues to be a very good program as well. TCU has almost become the fourth, maybe the fifth best program in this conference, and they are yeah. still a top 25 team, and they're going to continue to be throughout this season. When you look at the Big 12, RPI in college baseball is about as important of a stat, important of a metric as you can have. Four Big 12 teams in the top 32 in RPI, six in the top 60 in the nation in RPI. And then you got West Virginia that's a little outside the top 60 there. But I mean that just shows you right there the the, the strength of this Big 12 conference. Yeah, I, I mean, any any WV fan that watched hoops knows that every single game is going to be a slugfest. Mm -hmm. It's going to be the same thing here. Um, and it starts with, with, with uh, TCU, who right now is one of the best offensive teams in the, in, in, in the conference. They get on base over half of their uh, of their at-bats. Um, and for a team that has kind of struggled to find its pitching consistency, that's, that's going to be a stiff challenge. It, there's going to be a lot, a lot of stiff challenges for West Virginia this year. Uh, obviously, as we just mentioned, TCU, that's going to be a road series to begin Big 12 play. You're going to have to figure out how to win uh, in Fort Worth. You're going to have Texas and Oklahoma State, the two top teams in this conference, coming to Morgantown. That's been a good sign in the past. West Virginia has been able to take care of business against the top Big 12 teams at home in the past. Winning those games on the road has been a different story for West Virginia, but that's how it is for most teams when it comes to Big 12 baseball. A lot of teams are very good at home, but tough as can be to win on the road a lot of times. And West Virginia, over the years, certainly since joining the Big 12, has fallen into that category. And even stepping away from the, the actual baseball part of it, um, the Ohio State series was the uh, only real three-game series, weekend series that WVU's had. Obviously, it got moved around like the Youngstown State mm -hmm. series, but it was warm. It was uh, They had two games on Saturday, yeah. and the stadium was pretty much packed for the Saturday it was header, relatively speaking, for, for March. You know, Youngstown State wasn't quite the same, um, but, you know, the 
looks like the WVU faithful is going to show up for for the Big 12 baseball if if the if the early season is is any kind of bellwether. Yeah, for sure. I mean, Mountaineer fans obviously they always show up. They always travel no matter uh, where a, a game or competition is. But I think we're going to see a lot of good crowds at Mon County Ballpark this year just because you've got some teams, there's some really good teams coming in. But I think there's also there's a lot of intrigue with this WVU baseball team. You've got a local product in, in Grant Hussey who's performing well. You've got some freshmen along with him that are performing well. You've got some guys that certainly I think there is the ability for them to get drafted and be playing beyond West Virginia when you look at Victor Scott, Austin Davis, Jacob Waters, and maybe a couple other wrinkled in there as well. There's a lot of intrigue, I think, with this team. Yeah, definitely, and and it had a really hot start too. You know? Yes, and and WVU fans, like any other fans, like to see a team that wins. And the first two seasons of of uh, WVU athletics haven't <laughs> hasn't had a lot of winning, and and um, the baseball team right now has the best chance to to make a run in in the NCAA's. We won't get that far yet. We won't right. take, we won't get that far yet, but they've got a shot. So when talking Big 12 baseball here, West Virginia was picked eighth out of nine teams in the Big 12 preseason poll right now. Depending on what you're looking at statistically, uh, West Virginia about middle of the road in the conference. WVU the only Big 12 team that does not face another Big 12 team at this point here on March 26th. That will obviously change here in, in less than a week's time. But Sam, eight out, of, eight, eight out of nine, I should say, in the preseason poll. Is that about right based on what we've seen so far? Is it, was that underselling the Mountaineers? How do you feel about West Virginia compared to the rest of the Big 12 based on what we've seen so far? I, I'm sticking with my preseason prediction. I'm going to say about five. Yeah. And that's, if, if you look at the uh, Big 12 standings, which don't really matter at this point because they haven't played a Big 12 game yet, they're number six. Mm -hmm. um, now, the, the thing that kind of WVU uh, gets – they kind of get dinged for is they have a smaller sample size. They've had a, a bunch of games get canceled so far, rescheduled. Um, so they're going to need to make up some games down the road. But, um, you know, what we've seen so far is they can play offense. Um, their, their pitching is capable, very capable. Um, and, and, you know, the, the 2019 team is definitely – the 2019 WVU team is definitely the – the standard of Randy Maisie baseball. Mm -hmm. They had a consistent rotation. Um, they had a, a, some of the best offensive players in, in pr recent program history, right. um, at the very least. Um, but they still kind of got slugged through the Big 12. They, they still kind of squeaked over 500, which it's baseball. You know, it's, it's not like football where if you're 500, uh, it's not a good record. The best team in the MLB only wins 100 out of 162. Yeah. <clears throat> but... You know, I, I'm sticking with the fifth and fifth in the league. I think once they kind of start getting into the, the the swing of that tough competition, they're going to find a rhythm and, and and figure out how to get those runs across the plate. It seems like there's almost a line of demarcation in the Big Twelve. You've got Texas, Texas Tech, Oklahoma State, TCU as as a sure top four in the Big Twelve. Yeah. You draw a line in the sand. And then you've got West Virginia, Baylor, Oklahoma, Kansas State, and Kansas as teams fighting likely for five through nine. One of those teams could come out of nowhere and surprise. One of the teams above could falter for one reason or another, come back towards the pack, and maybe you've got to fight for fourth or third place there. But I, I, I'm with you. West Virginia 
certainly has the ability to finish as the number five team. I said six would be where I'm comfortably with them at the beginning of the year. Based on what we've seen so far, five and six, yeah. I think we were about right on the money. And certainly Randy Maisie was on the money preseason when he said West Virginia is going to be as exciting as can be to watch when they're at the plate and when they're on offense. And they're going to extend some games, and they're going to have a lot of bodies on the mound when they're pitching and when they're on defense. And so far, both of those boxes have been checked and then some. Uh, Randy Maisie was spot on before the year. On that second box, I mean, just from a time perspective, uh, you can the doubleheader yesterday, the first game went two and a half hours. The second one went over four. So it's it's, it's the, They're giving you your six hours of baseball no matter what. Yeah, for you're getting your money's worth. You talk about free baseball, free hockey, you know, overtime. <laughs> you don't need over. You don't need extra innings to get your free baseball. Um, and Maisie kind of jokes about that. We're not going to be the most fun team to watch because you're going to see a lot of pitching changes. Um, on the flip side, they are like you said. We've talked about this ever since we, you and I were in school, Ryan. Mm-hmm. Maisie ball. Yeah. That small ball. We've been talking about it all, all game. Small ball, stealing bases, bunts. Um, this might be the best small ball team that he's had with yeah. all that speed at the top of the lineup. And now that speed, I mean, Victor Scott it has the highest OPS. He's at 960. They've got, what is it, four guys with an OPS over, over 900. Um, you know, they're hitting the ball. They're getting around the bases, and, and they're getting extra base hits. Um, so, I mean, they're definitely an exciting team to watch, even if they're making pitching changes on, on defense. On the topic of Maisie Ball, the, the one thing that, that you just mentioned that kind of sparked uh, a thought in my head was that you know, dating back to our, our, our years at WVU covering this team for, for various, you know, whoever we were working for or interning for in college, um, including Golden Blue Nation as well. Um, That's right. This team, compared to some of those other teams of the past, is by far the best bunting team that Maisie's had, I believe. Any of these guys, and even a guy like Grant Hussey and McGuire Holbrook, who we have seen have to lay a bunt down this year, those guys can all bunt. That's something that he hasn't had in the past. I, don't, I cannot recall a single time that Jackson Kramer laid down a bunt. Uh, no. I, I don't think Kyle Davis was laying down too many bunts. Uh, Cole Austin was not laying down a lot of bunts. One through nine almost on this team can handle the bat if he needs to. Yeah, and, and it's not even, you know, excuse me, they're not even just trying to bunt. They're laying down bunts. And they're, good bunts. They're very good bunts. I mean, it's, it's a weird thing to say in the modern era. Like, oh, that team can really bunt? You don't hear that often. But, I mean, man, can they bunt. I mean, like Tevin Tucker is a guy that his, his batting average is rather – Dismal. It's 148. It's it's below the Mendoza line. It's easily below the Mendoza line. But he's getting on base, um, you know, almost a third of the time. That's that's really what you want. And a lot of that is because a he can beat out <clears throat> infield grounders. If there's an error, he's he's there. But he's also one of the best offensive players on the team, despite his numbers. Yeah. Because he can lay down a bunt and get guys home when you need to. I mean. Well, he, he wasn't the guy that laid down the, the, the two-run suicide squeeze. But he's gotten plenty of RBIs because he has bunted and brought guys home. So, so bunting aside, obviously that's one thing that WVU will continue to do this season, no matter who it's, no matter if it's Youngstown State or Texas. It's one thing they're going to do. It's going to be a staple of West Virginia throughout this year. But, Sam, as we look at Big 12 play looming here, 
what's the biggest thing in your estimation that WVU probably needs to improve on heading into Big 12 play? This can be offense, defense, pitching, whatever it needs to be. Oh, it's, it's starting pitching, without a doubt. I mean, we, we hit on it earlier. Um, that rotation hasn't been consistent, not even in terms of production, but in terms of, of personnel. Um, the, the weekend rotation going, in, going into the season, Carlson Reed, Ben Hampton, and Chris Sleeper. Now Sleeper and Reed are both coming out of the bullpen, and Abernathy is the only uh, starter that's still in the rotation. On Tuesday... Hampton. Hampton. I did it. Yep. I did it. Uh, <laughs> excuse me. Ben Hampton is the only uh, consistent guy that's still in the rotation. And on Tuesday, they've had a smorgasbord of guys. Um, I believe Zach Bravo was the first guy to come to, to start on the rubber, and since then it's been a whole bunch of guys. It's basically been resigned to a bullpen game on Tuesday, mm -hmm. which for a team that has been consistently winning midweek, that over the last couple of years, I should say, they need to get a consistent arm on Tuesday and win those games because the Big 12 is going to be tough. The Big 12 is just going right. to be tough. A consistent arm on, on Tuesday or Wednesday, whenever those midweek games come, it, it's something that Randy Mazie has always looked for. At times he's had for stretches of a year, but normally they do go through a couple of guys through those midweek games. Even you know, as the season goes on, there, there have been changes there uh, due to performance or other things. But uh, I don't think we've seen as much, to use your word, of a smorgasbord, which if you're playing Golden Blue Nation bingo is our word of the day. Um, <laughs> we haven't seen as much in years past as we have this year, which is hopefully something that West Virginia can figure out here the longer the season goes on. Uh, in my mind, since you took starting pitching, uh, pitching uh, excuse me, I'll go the other way, something that West Virginia can improve on in Big 12 play is what we talked about earlier, converting with runners in scoring position. And we both kind of mentioned it that the – average of runners in scoring position isn't all that indicative of the production, the runs scored with runners in scoring position. West Virginia has scored more runs than what the average shows you, but you still need that average to improve a little bit, especially once you get in Big 12 play, when those runners in scoring position opportunities will become more of a premium. They will, be, they will become less and less likely, on average, than what you have in, in the non-conference slate. The good thing is that West Virginia, again, no matter if it's playing Texas, Oklahoma State, Youngstown State, or Ryder, is going to be stealing bases and going to be affecting games on the base pass, which that's one thing that I think West Virginia kind of has, it, it's kind of of a feather in its cap almost, that a lot of these high-profile teams of Texas, Oklahoma State, TCU, Texas Tech, they have not faced teams that are nearly as aggressive on the base paths in the non-conference slate as WVU is. Those pitchers, no matter how talented they are from you know, getting the ball from point A to point B, mound to home plate, you get a guy like Austin Davis and Victor Scott on the base pass, that attention that you normally have on, on, the, on the plate can just go away. We, we saw that earlier this week against Texas Tech and Texas, where Texas Tech steals home to win the game. Texas's pitcher, not used to that situation, not, not prepared for it. Yeah, WVU probably won't get 11 steals against a Big 12 team. That probably won't happen. Don't it tell Randy Maisie that. It could. <laughs> it, it's very, very well possible. But like you said, it's, it's just the mental game. I mean, to go back to the, big, uh, to the press Virginia um, analogy, yeah. WVU wasn't necessarily the best offensive team, but they were getting points from steals, 
But the biggest thing that that team had was just that mental, you know, that mental block that they would put on teams. They mm -hmm. would make the best teams in the league just play with their pants down because they had no idea what was going to hit them. They, they had no idea what to do with the press. They had no idea what to do against the trap. And it's the same thing with a pitcher. I mean, if you've got guys that are just used to pitching with a first baseman who's taking a standard lead, well, then he's just going to throw strikes. He's going to throw strike, strike, strike. But when you got Austin Davis who's dancing and making peace signs to the first baseman on the base paths, I mean, you got a little something going on over your shoulder. I think uh, the, the, the correct way to say that is intestinal fortitude, right? That, intestinal that's fortitude, yeah. sure. Yeah, yeah, that's a good one. That's um, a good one. Yeah, the, the, <laughs> certainly a lot of that uh, on this team, when you, when you think of the aggressiveness on the base pass that, yeah. that West Virginia has shown this year, both by the players, and that's also on the coaching staff as well. And I, I say that in a good way of trusting your players, to be able to go perform when you've pretty much got a green light uh, in any situation. That, that's, again, intestinal fortitude, I believe, is the correct way that uh, we are supposed to be saying that. That's in the baseball almanac, I believe. I, I believe so. You are correct. But So as we kind of wrap, wrap up here, Big 12 play, as we mentioned, is going to begin on Friday, April 1st. West Virginia going to be in Fort Worth, Texas to take on TCU. The Mountaineers will then be back at home for Big 12 play the following weekend to host the Baylor Bears. Uh, key series against Texas and Oklahoma State also coming up for West Virginia and also a couple of big midweek games uh, as West Virginia is going to face Marshall, we hope, here a couple times in, in the midweek. So, Sam, uh, anything that either we haven't covered yet it's important to note about what we've seen from WVU through the first 21 games of the season or any uh, anything else about Big 12 play that's important for fans to know who you know they're they're still they were keeping up with basketball and maybe some football as well as Big 12 play throughout the country has kind of gotten underway well I, I think maybe not that we've seen but just a simple note here this TCU series will be incredibly important because they will have played um, among the most Big 12 games so far this season. Mm -hmm. A lot, most teams are going into their first, um, their first Big 12 series this weekend, uh, but um, TCU is in their second, and they're already three and one in the league, and they're playing Kansas State this weekend. They they took um, two wins from Baylor last weekend, and they they've already taken one from Kansas State uh, this weekend. So. It's going to be important not only for the obvious reason of getting wins and losses on your record, but to see a, so, sort of a measuring stick. That's a bit of a cliche in sports. Sure. But they're a team that's kind of beaten that second half of the, of the leagues that we've mentioned so far um, in four games, and by the end of Sunday it'll be six games, obviously. But that's going to be an important bellwether, an important measuring stick for the team uh, when they when they play TCU in Fort Worth. Probably a good thing too that TCU has already played a couple of Big 12 series and obviously we, we are into the the uh, baseball season because uh, former TCU manager Jim Schlossenegel now with Texas A&M. So new regime there at TCU. Obviously uh, that, that was a coaching staff that Randy Maisie was very familiar with. Now probably not so much. So good to ha have a little bit of tape, especially conference tape on TCU before you play them to start the Big 12 slate. And, uh, you know, of course, as West Virginia continues to play baseball and anything else, we, of course, will be keeping you updated 
on the WV baseball team throughout the spring, both on TV with daily Mountaineer Minutes, on the website as well at goldenbluenation.com, and as always, on the always free Golden Blue Nation app on your favorite Apple and Android devices. For Sam Caniglio, I'm Ryan Decker. This has been the Golden Blue Nation podcast brought to you once again by Pritt and Spano, West Virginia's lawyers, your WVLawfirm.com.